2: What's up, guys? Welcome back to the DNVR Draft Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Justin Michael. We've got Hank here. We've got Jake here. We are going to dive into some team-building philosophies today. And, drumroll please, going to go over our quarterback classes. Obviously, we're going to learn some stuff over, you know, the next month and a half, two months, everything, as we lead into the NFL Draft. All of these opinions are subject to change. But I'm really looking forward to diving into all of this. Gentlemen, how's it going? It's early morning. We've had a lot of college basketball lately. It's that time of the year where it's like, my brain 50% of the time is on the draft. 50% of the time is on March
1: Madness. I'm Good, sick of season for you guys. staying up late. Yep, it is. I just want to, I want to, I want to be done with work at five. Doesn't that sound nice? Like you, you start working at nine, you get done at five. Instead of, like, okay, game's over at 11. Time to work for three hours. Hank but, wants to be a house husband. This is what he actually wants yeah. to be. Oh, I feel like once you get husband. you get through, like, what has this been? Like, four months of basketball season? Then, then there's, like, one left. And this is where it's just, like, grueling. And then it'll become fun again. Honestly, like, next week is when it gets super fun again. But, oof, it's uh, late nights and early mornings. All right, boo-hoo, mm-hmm, everybody is... <laughs> You know,
2: playing small violins for us as we <laughs> complain about our problems, watching and dissecting sports for a living. Jake, how are you doing, though? We'll Catch you off a little bit there.
0: Oh, it's all good. I'm pretty well um, super excited. We're digging into these quarterbacks. It's uh, an exciting time when we finally get to dig into the film, dish out our takes, uh, yell at each other for why we think everyone is completely wrong about their rankings and why our rankings are the best. Uh, you just can't beat it, man.
2: We do need some spiciness, I feel like, in this. Every now and then, we got to... We all like each other so much, and I feel like we kind of watch the game. It's pretty similar and, and look for similar things and prospects. So there are times we probably a little bit too much are like, yeah, great point. We need some more, like, Stephen A. mad dog, maybe. Because that drives ratings. And, I mean, <laughs> that's what yeah, we're saying. That's, <laughs> maybe. I'm not saying it's good, but that's what <laughs> drives ratings. Um Jake had a great idea, though. He kind of wanted to to talk about some team building. And before we we get into that, which I'm excited, let's go over this most recent mock draft from Todd McShay. What stands out the most to you guys? Because for me, it's obviously Trey McBride not being in the first round. So I'm just going to say throw this one out the window. McShay was tired. No, I'm kidding. Um, What stands out to you guys?
1: Um, I mean, I feel like the senior bowl got everybody kind of hyped up on the quarterbacks and you know, so we know coming into the off season that there's going to be those things that change like the senior bowl comes, the combine comes and everybody has these big bumps because they, they did something great despite not being all that good at football for the 12 games we saw instead of the one, but I also forgot until now that there's like the big bump that happens right away in like that first week and then it kind of fades away. And so it's kind of nice just to see Mel Kuiper, like what first quarterback taken is Kenny Pickett at 11. And honestly, I still think that that's kind of high, but it is. I was a little bit worried we were going to show up and he's going to be like, Kenny Pickett, number six, Malik Willis, number seven. And it's like, ah, well, come on. So, so quarterback is going to go top 10, to be, though, right? Like, just because I don't that's think so. how this works. I don't think so. There might be one who sneaks in, but I... I, I'm not saying, like, top three, but eight, nine, That I I just don't know how you justify... We'll dig into these quarterbacks later, but that'd just be such a bad pick.
0: It's... I mean, yeah, we'll get into it later for sure about the value of all these guys in this year, uh, especially compared to last year. That's something I want to touch on, too, because that's an interesting conversation. Um, But it's just... I think we're just... Everyone has been on it basically since well, August, September now that this quarterback class, just has not been up to snuff, really. Uh, It's not going to be what people are used to. Um, So, yeah, it's just kind of more the same, really. Uh, Like you said, though, Hank, it is good to see that we're not getting ahead of ourselves, or at least at this point. Um, Still, though, uh, to the mock, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau going all the way down to five now. Mm. Um, He just keeps dropping like a rock. Uh, Evan Neal at one. Uh, something we've done what two or three times in a row when we've done our mocks now. Um, I'm so starting to hate that
1: too. I'm starting to hate Becoming that. a bit chalky, huh? Yeah, like like I. He's I, is he that good of a pass protector? Is the thing like yes he's big and he's like physical, but also I kind of wonder if like Von Miller just torches him all game, and maybe we're getting a little bit too excited about the size. Well,
2: I think mm-hmm. that's where the Ekam Aquanu I- hype has has come from as well. Who again was. You know, projected fourth in this one to the Jets, a guy that I've seen also go number one. And then, you know, Charles Cross is getting some top five love as well. So I think it's going to be interesting to see. You're right. You know, as a Bama guy, he's not like a mauler, you know, at at least as a pass protector. He's not that guy, you know, throwing an arm and then just burying an edge rusher or something like that. But he's also just kind of safe. Right. Yeah.
1: I guess you can right tackle, Mike work at the very least. Left tackle. I'm just this is what happens during draft season is you spend so much time thinking about these guys and then you start to overthink it. And I'm either overthinking or underthinking right now. Who knows?
0: Right. I think this I mean it kind of helps that the Jaguars obviously don't need a quarterback, but imagine if a team that needed a quarterback was picking at one overall, I think we'd see a lot more of this uh trying to push for Kenny Pickett at first overall or maybe Malik Willis or something. Um, just because, like you guys said, I mean, I mean, you can really switch out Evan Neal, uh, Ikuanu. You know, I've seen a lot of Charles Cross love online, too. Uh, so I definitely think that one of these tackles are in play uh, to go that high first overall. Broncos picking Devin Lloyd, though. I think that's a popular pick among us. Yep.
2: Oh, I lose my mind. I mean, I know that people that don't tune into the Pac-12 would probably be like, really, you're taking an inside linebacker from Utah in the top 10. This guy's one of the most underrated players in the country. Probably the most complete. Well, I mean, there's a couple of good guys, but maybe the most complete defender in this entire class in terms of
1: the versatility that he brings. I'd love it. I'd absolutely love it. Just a freak athlete, and he can do anything. Like, Yeah, that's a really good football player.
2: Sauce Gardner going six to the Panthers.
0: Yeah, huge bump for him. He's uh he's seen a lot of steam picking up lately. I think uh, Hank said it a few shows ago that he was kind of trending towards cornerback one for him too. But yeah, man, it's uh I think this is a take that's going to become a lot more common. Um, seeing him, especially with the way Stingley, how he was just kind of crowned. I don't want to say too early, but it was kind of like he was just living off that freshman year still, right? Um, so once we kind of start to get back in, start getting back into the tape and everything Uh makes sense. How we kind of see one guy like Gardner rise uh, London in the top 10 too. Drake London.
1: He's, he's the best receiver in this draft. And I don't, I don't have interest in hearing anything else. Like he to to be six foot five and catch 11 balls a game. Like people I've seen on like the NFL draft Reddit complain about like his average depth of target and his yards per catch. And it's like, well, is he really deep? And it's like, yeah, because he's a six foot five slot receiver who's also a deep threat who played college basketball at USC. Like he <laughs> can do whatever you want. You don't have to put him in the box. Like, sure, he is in Megatron out there with the yards again. But yeah, he's uh to me the best receiver in the draft. And the the broken ankle does give you a little bit of pause, but that those heal. Like it's not like a torn Achilles or even like an ACL, like those, those recoveries are much more difficult. Also, it, it's a benefit to be a deep
2: threat in the modern game. How many of those 60 yard bombs are you landing per game though? Mm-hmm. You got to be able to move the sticks and nobody does that better than Drake London.
1: Yep, He's another guy who's just a freak. And right there with Devin Lloyd. And honestly, like those, those tackles too, maybe not cross so much, but and I feel like if you're drafting in the top 10, you've got to get somebody who just has freaky, special traits and, those guys all check those boxes
0: right with the Calvin Ridley situation too looks pretty interesting I want to go to uh 17 and 18 because we see two quarterbacks back to back here um Malik Willis and Matt Corral Malik Willis to the Steelers uh that McShay has trading up uh, with the Chargers at 17 and then the Saints picking at 18 go with Matt Corral any thoughts on those
2: I'm glad that Malik Willis landed with Pittsburgh in that situation. And obviously, obviously the Chargers don't need a quarterback, but it would be a big bummer to see somebody like him land in the division. They need a QB. He, you know, he's a big dude, obviously plays a lot different than, than Roethlisberger, but young Roethlisberger kind of ran around a lot. You know, like the improvisation was always a big part of his game anyways, but I could see that kind of being a natural fit.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I do think that's a good fit. And I do think that this is kind of like the, the, I I think uh, Todd McShay kind of nailed where these quarterbacks go. Um, 11, 17, 18, like that all makes sense. And obviously there's been like all the hype with Malik Willis and the Steelers. Uh, Matt Corral feels like a great fit with the Saints, even though without um, Sean Payton, who knows what they really are. But based on the last 20 years, he does seem like the right guy there too.
0: Right. Um, I saw some interesting tweets around the senior bowl time that apparently the Pittsburgh Steelers interest in Malik Willis is one of the worst kept secrets in the league right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So just something to keep an eye on. We kind of saw that last year with them, right? They were linked to Najee a lot. And who did they end up picking in the first round? Sure enough, Najee Harris. Uh, I don't know. Kind of interesting that that information just gets
1: leaked. Anything else you guys want to hit here on this? That, That feels a lot like Drew Locke and the Broncos. Remember that where there's yeah. like all the hype and it's like, yep, we can wait till the second round. And mm-hmm. I don't know that Malik Willis is going to be there for the second round pick, but late first, mid first. Yeah. I do wonder if
2: they trade up a little bit higher just because they worried about, you know, getting leapfrogged by, you know, somebody potentially coming in late there. Yeah. You're pro- this quarterback class is just interesting. We'll get into all of it Um Let's start talking about the team building though, Jake, you know, why don't you lead this yeah. conversation? This was your idea. I'm excited to, to dive into it.
0: So, yeah, I saw a, a bunch of other people doing this and I wanted to get everyone else's thoughts on this. Just, we saw obviously the Super Bowl, uh last weekend and just the contrasting styles between the Los Angeles Rams and Cincinnati Bengals in terms of how these organizations are ran, how they built their teams. Uh, I just, I think it's very interesting and uh, we can kind of tie in the Broncos at the end here, but obviously the Bengals are, for lack of a better word, they've been described as cheap um, over the many years, you know, uh, they finally get back to the Super Bowl after 30 some odd years. Um, But I don't think that changes a lot. You know, you do have Burrow. Um, I still think this is an organization that, I mean, they're they're what, have six scouts or something. Um, They've kind of showed historically, they're going to be, not very aggressive through free agency. Um, they kind of make their money through the draft and really their best players are all in rookie deals. Uh, Jamar chase T Higgins, um, Joe Burrow, of course you have Jonah Williams left tackle. Um, you know, you have some young talent on defense, Sam Hubbard, uh, Trey Hendrickson was one of those free agents that came over. Uh, but your guy, Logan Wilson, uh, Justin, it's just, Completely different when you look at the LA Rams who acquire Odell Beckham from, who was essentially bought out basically by Cleveland, uh, Von Miller. Um, I don't need to go down the whole list, but just the contrasting styles and team building is interesting. I think it just makes the NFL, that's why it's my favorite sport is because of how many different ways you can build a team and still get to the same destination as we saw uh, a couple weeks ago um so there it is laid out i don't know if someone wants to take that and kind of go with it
2: yeah. i think i'm seeing a similar thing in the nba right like it's it's you know um we're big nuggets fans obviously out here and you know it's it's the lakers you know buying lebron james buying anthony davis versus denver you know drafting jamal murray drafting nikola jokic and it, i i will say in football it's it's a little bit of a different situation just because of the roster size like bodies are a little bit more expendable guys are it's just a little bit different with the way that guys are moved um i I do wonder though now that cincinnati is in this window and they have a lot of guys that are on rookie deals do we see them kind of shift and and come somewhere in between and you know try and land some of these high priority free agents i understand that you know cincinnati it's not los angeles you're not going to recruit you know, players that are based on the city, the nightlife, the culture, anything like that. But you get to play with Joe Burrow, with Jamar Chase, with T. Higgins, with a defense that really showed a lot down the stretch. I, I would say they could. I mean, if they they add a couple of key pieces defensively, all of a sudden this is a Bengals team that looks like a contender. You know, for the foreseeable future. At the same time, though,
1: like I mean, what's the stat going around? Like the last sixteen. 16- quarterbacks who lost their first Super Bowl appearance never went back and it's like that that doesn't really mean all that much all it does is just kind of show how hard it is to get to the Super Bowl and also how it can be kind of fluky to get there and I don't want to take anything away from the Bengals but what they they beat the Raiders by a touchdown uh, they squeak out a three-point win against the Titans, the, the the championship game against the Chiefs. Like, there's, there's definitely a different world out there where they are not in the Super Bowl. And probably in more worlds than not, that's the case. And you could say the same thing about the Broncos' Super Bowl run and just about everybody else's. But that's just the nature of football. So I also think that if you're looking at any individual team and saying, like, okay, this is how you do it, I mean... What? What about the way the Chiefs did it? I mean, the Bills look good too. The Titans, the Titans. I feel like they could have gone on the same run if things had just broken a little bit differently in that game. So, I wouldn't get too ahead of myself in looking at the Bengals. Um, But it is also true that a lot of teams that have been successful in in making playoff runs have had quarterbacks on rookie deals because you just save so much money and it allows you to spend in other places. I mean, you just—I don't know exactly how it works, but they had $6 million or something left over in cap space. If you had to be giving Joe Burrow the 35 or $40 million a year that he's worth, you lose a few of your very best players. And so there's definitely something to that. And maybe you do pull more away from the Rams and just say like... You trade for all these people, you'll get a Super Bowl run out of it, or at least like a deep playoff run out of it. You're also kind I think of you're making Jake's point again, though, right? Like there's so many different approaches, and that's the for beauty sure. of this. Yeah. For sure. But like they they have like a third-round pick this year, like third, fifth, sixth, seventh, seventh, something like that. The next year's first is gone. Like it's not like that's sustainable. Like you're not going to build success over time doing it that way because they have a whole bunch of free agents that they need to sign and they don't have the money to do it. Like they're about to lose Von Miller. They're probably going to lose Odell Beckham and a bunch of these guys without a good way to replace them. If you're in that situation, like if the Broncos go get Aaron Rodgers, yeah, then why not build and see if you can make a run. But I don't know. Something in between is I guess probably the answer.
0: Right. Um, A couple more interesting notes. You kind of hit on the first one there, but Joe Burrow being on his rookie deal still, obviously that's, that's the easiest way to win in the NFL right now, just because you're not carrying that bloated cap hit. Um, and Joe Burrow was the second year. So there's still three more years of this possible for the Bengals where they can kind of keep this rolling. Um, the interesting thing with the Rams, though, uh, they're two best players uh, Super Bowl MVP, Cooper Cup, and of course, Aaron Donald, both drafted by the Rams, though. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we can talk about how. You know, they're going to go all out, you know, what's their slogan? F them picks, print the shirts, do whatever you want, man. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, they still kind of do their due diligence and they come away with these good football players. Um, You know, we've seen other guys. uh, Taylor Rapp was a guy they drafted in the second round. Um, They drafted uh, Van Jefferson in the second or third round, too. Um, So, you know, they're still kind of hitting on these later players. They're just not picking at the very top of the draft. Like you said, though, Hank, I don't know if that's sustainable. Um, It'll be very interesting to see like five years down the road what exactly the landscape of the NFL looks like, of course. But if this team is even close to contention at this point, you know, you already heard the rumors of McVay kind of walking away. Is it kind of tied to this team's situation where, you know, uh, Stafford's not a young quarterback. He's kind of up there. Maybe he retires and it's just like, well, screw it. They're in cap hell. Like, maybe that's the time that McVeigh finally leaves. Who knows? I'm just kind of speculating here, though.
2: Yeah. And I think it's that TV
1: money more than anything, but I get where you're coming from. Right. They don't lose like a whole lot. I just pulled it up. Like, obviously, they lose Von Miller. They lose Odell Beckham, Sony Michelle, um, Austin Corbett. I think Joseph Noteboom started some games for him. Um, open eye okaron troy reader those sorts of guys but they're also already 14 million dollars over the cap next year and i guess they don't have to spend too much on the draft class but there are other changes that need to come and it's not going to get any better after that so it, maybe they think like if you have matt stafford and aaron donald you'll always have a chance and so you just go get one if you can do it and see if you can pull a second out of your hat somehow but yeah we'll, we'll see we'll see uh.
0: Um, very interesting conversation. Any final thoughts on that,
2: Justin? Quick question on Von Miller, just because we brought him up. What do you see his market being this off season, especially after how dominant he
1: was in the playoffs? Man. So Go ahead, Hank. it's tough because obviously only contenders are going to be interested. Like he's got one or two years left. He's probably going to sign like a one year deal Um, and contenders probably don't have as much cap space. And so they can't throw out those massive contracts. And the teams that do have the cap space probably aren't all that interested in him. And I I think that you just look at that base level production. I mean, it was more than a sack per game when he was with the Rams He led the entire league in tackles for loss when he was with the Rams. Um, you see that and say like, yeah, he should still be getting that $22 million a year, but because he is so much older now, I think that the lack of teams that probably have interest for him, plus the fact that like he, he could get an injury, or I guess his performance could drop off for other reasons. I would guess that he probably winds not up not playing like, with Aaron Donald. Maybe yeah, probably like ten, twelve, ten, twelve million on a one-year deal. Maybe you could get him on like two years, nineteen million or something like that it's going to be very interesting, especially if the, if Vaughn and the Broncos start talking
0: again, and if there's any mention of a reunion, you know, uh, I think we all know how much Vaughn loves Denver and how he loves the organization. Um, But, you know, once you kind of start getting into contract talks um, it's easy to kind of just feel disrespected in his shoes, you know, maybe he feels that he kind of deserves that 20 million a year still. Um, I don't think he'll get that. I just, Like you said, Hank, with his age, uh, the production has kind of gone down a bit, but he still is Von Miller. I think he's someone that can be a pretty important piece. Uh, I kind of think of um, Calais Campbell, how he went to the Ravens, Um, a figure like that, you know, where he's most of a leadership role and his presence is kind of worth more than anything that he does on the field. Um, But it's going to be a very interesting situation, I think, especially if the Broncos are in play.
1: How would you feel about two years, twenty five million?
0: Two years, twenty five is. I don't know. I mean, that's not bad for the Broncos. You're saying, or for just like for Denver?
2: Look, you're maybe overpaying slightly, but you're bringing a hometown hero back. He finishes his career as a Bronco. I think he can still be productive. I know it, it wasn't all there early in the season, but none of these guys were like really making plays in the front seven for Denver. For most of the year. So, you know, I'm not going to hold that against him. I would definitely do it.
0: I, yeah, You really got to
2: think about it.
1: Especially with all these picks. Like, so what? You lose
0: mm-hmm.
1: Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson and Kenny Young. Like, guess what? You still have Baron Browning there who looked good. You still have that other guy who showed up late and looked good. Draft a linebacker, and all of a sudden it's like, sure, whatever. And that's the other thing. Like, we're talking about the, the Rams strategy. Like, I don't look at the Broncos as a team that needs to have as many draft picks as they have. Like, it doesn't hurt. You can always add more young pieces, but it's like... Like, we're having all these conversations in the Madden League chat about tight end, where it's like, why'd you draft a tight end in the third round? Like, you already have Noah Fant and Albert O, and it's like, yeah, but Noah Fant really hasn't done all that much. To be fair, what Travis Kelsey and Dar- yeah Darren Waller, neither of them had a catch at his age. Like, so he that's kind of the downside of drafting a young tight end. is you have to physically mature and that sort of stuff. But, like... What else are you going to do? You need that position to be better. Why not just trade for somebody? Why not add a a stud linebacker or a stud defensive lineman or a stud safety to go with Justin Simmons? Because, like, what else are you going to do? Turn the third cornerback spot into a competition between Asang Bassi and Michael Ojamudia and whatever other rookie and whoever else. Like, you're pretty set at young talent right now.
0: Yeah, to kind of circle it back, I mean you really look at a team like the Bengals, I think, and I think they've done a good job at that, especially drafting. Um, You know, we can make fun of them and how small their scouting staff is and everything, but they do draft well and they do kind of take risks with their picks. Um, You know, they go after these guys, uh, Joe Mixon, um, that have been in trouble. Um, They sign these guys, Eli Apple, who don't really have reputations of being uh, the best players and or teammates. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, But they still kind of bring it all in. And for some reason it just works there. Um, but yeah, like drafting, not drafting a player because of need, just because you already have them, I don't think is a good way to go about it. Um, and you know, look at the Bengals again, last year, you you saw T Higgins really go off as a rookie and they still added Jamar chase. Um, you know, just adding strength on strength, just making the football team better. I think that's what it all comes down to.
1: And you look at the Broncos where it's like, they have, Like Graham Glasgow and Lloyd Cushenberry and Moody and uh, uh, Miners, all these guys, these interior offensive linemen, Reisner. And it's like, well, that group's still kind of underperformed. Maybe throw another third-round pick in there and see if that guy competes and maybe that's the one that really pops And it's like, or you trade Dalton Reisner or Moody or one of those guys with a second-round pick and go get one of the best inside linemen in the league. Like, are, are we kind of just at that point instead of throwing more and more 21-year-olds in there and being like, oh, maybe this is the 21 year old who will do it. And, and then you have to trust the coaches to figure out who actually is going to figure it out. Like, to, to watch camp and be like, okay, this is the guy who should be on the field. And, and this is the guy who maybe he's not so good right now, but you put him on the field and by the end of the season, he's – like, it just makes things so much harder. And I do think that there's something to be learned from the Rams approach.
2: All right, let's get into these quarterbacks, unless you guys have anything else you want to say on this.
0: Um, No, that was a good conversation. That was good.
2: I enjoyed it. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet $1 on any team. Get 150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on the NBA with the same game parlay. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout the more legs you add the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, it's secure, it's reliable. Best of all, deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you need. Maybe, you know, you you messed up on Valentine's Day, you just hit a big bet, you know, deposit it, go get some flowers, you know, get back in the good graces. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Bet $1 on any team. Get 150 in free bets if they win. That promo code DNVR at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700.
1: Ooh. Also, I wasn't prepared. What am I talking about, Justin? Oh, my goodness. Boo this, man, people. All right. I was getting ready to bash Kenny
2: Pickett. (laughs) 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 Shout out our friends over at Ranch Rider, the first Mm. company to can the iconic Texas ranch
1: water. Have Mm. I stalled enough for you to get going? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so ranch water. I had to Google this, actually. There's like, uh, you know, Topo Chico? Yeah. Yeah, so I'd always kind of wondered what that was. Like, you, you see it, and you know, like, they have the fancy font or whatever. Well, apparently, you mix that with tequila, and that's what ranch water is, is my understanding. Maybe there's, like, some lime juice or something in there, too. Um, but the reason I was looking that up was because I tried the uh, ranch water from Ranch Rider. I was like, wow, this is really, really good. What's in it? Maybe I should make it. And then I obviously didn't do that because I don't know how to do those sorts of things. But I did decide that I need to be drinking a lot more of that ranch water. Uh, you guys know that I really like tequila and that's uh Ali's fault because basically when I got down here, all we did was drink tequila for a very long time. But uh, this is probably my favorite way to do it. Um, just because like it's, it's a tough drink to mix in. There's like margaritas. There's basically like nothing else. Um, but yeah, I mean, that one's my favorite. There's all sorts of different uh, options. They have like they got vodka, vodka base drinks. Oh, yeah. They got all sorts of different stuff. They don't add any sugars or preservatives or any of that sort of stuff. And uh, they've become one of the top 10 fastest selling alcohol brands in the country. We at DMVR have really started to like them. And uh, you can pick your own up by visiting RanchRiderSpirits.com to find a location near you. Okay, two things. First of all,
2: I'm booing you again for, for being unprepared for the read. But second, yep. Fair. you missed the glorious opportunity to say shit, which is in the actual ad copy. They're just teeing it up. They're like, say that curse word. And Hank's just,
1: you know, he's taking, he's taking the walk. He's not taking his cut. Last week, I said shit. But again, it was one of these boarding podcasts, and I just felt like it came out wrong. Like, I just, it doesn't feel right. Like, that is not my vibe at 10 in the morning, you know? Like, like, if this is 4 You're o'clock and I've been, like, too, Hank. doing stuff, I've, like, been to the gym, I probably had, like, some pizza for lunch or something, it's like, yeah, shit. But, like, when I said shit last week, it just didn't sound believable.
0: I think what <laughs> Hank is saying is it's not good to force a shit.
1: Ah, that's exactly <laughs> it, Jake. That's exactly it.
2: <laughs> uh, also, Hank's just... He's, he's a kind guy. Look, I've seen Fired Up Hank. I can appreciate Fired Up Hank. It's a sight mm-hmm. to behold, but... He's just a—he's a smooth talker. He's a guy you bring home to, to mom, to grandma, and, and they're gonna love him because he's not gonna accidentally
1: drop an f bomb at the at the family table or anything like that. It's true, that's true. Also, I drank all this coffee and it's done nothing. So I'm am a little oh. bit pissed off. <laughs> think oh, of that. Sounds
0: like uh, we may <laughs> need to talk about uh, some quarterbacks in this class then, because I felt oh. the same way watching these guys.
1: They're all so bad. They're all so bad. I just want to start with that. They're all so bad. Like there's things to
2: like about them as the thing. There's just nobody like if you're an NFL team that's sitting here
1: being like, we got to give the keys to this guy this year, give Kenny Pickett the Blitnikoff winner he can tear apart the ACC. Oh, wow. Isn't that fun? That's impressive.
0: Right. Um, can we talk real quick before we get into the rankings? Um, Is there any quarterback in this class that you guys would place in front of Mac Jones from last year?
1: Absolutely not. I also love Mac Jones, though. Actually, some of my Madden League, um, I screwed some things up, had to build a new playbook. And I was like, what playbook do I go to? So I got in a game online and went with the Patriots, ran that Belichick, McDaniels, whatever offense um, with Mac Jones and just picked him apart from the pocket. There's just nothing better than a Mac Jones quarterback tearing you apart. Everybody's so scared of the fast guys. <laughs> when you know what he's going to do and you can't stop it, oh, I just love it so much. It's like Derrick Henry, which is like pound it straight ahead. There's nothing you can do about that.
0: Inevitable. Um, all right, then. What, are we going to do we want to start off at number one here? Do we all want to give our number ones? How do we want to go from top down, bottom down? How are we doing it?
2: Let's do three, two, one. Mm-hmm. And then. We'll go do the final ad and then we'll just do like four, five, six at that point, because it doesn't really matter. But just to build a little bit of suspense, let's do three, two, one here to start. Um, I'll just go. I'll just I'll start. Yeah. My third guy, Carson Strong mm. from Nevada. And I would say he's probably the least athletic, at least in terms of raw athleticism out of these top guys. Like he's not, you know, gonna scramble around. Did display, you know, better mobility at the senior bowl, which I think is big for him. And I also think that he gets ripped pretty hard, but his offensive lines weren't great. And his ability to climb in the pocket is a little bit underrated. He's got some, you know, this is hyperbole, but, you know, Brady-esque qualities. That was obviously the thing that that made him so phenomenal along with his, you know, arm and decision making was just the ability to, to be elusive and, and step around guys and somehow not get sacked when it seems like he's dead to rights insane deep ball, absurd zip, um, coming off of a knee injury though, that, that definitely makes me nervous. Again, you know, not the most mobile is not going to be improvising, running around, making you plays that way and probably throws a, a little too many, you know, fuck it balls where he just kind of trusts his receivers. I, I love that in a quarterback to an extent, but as somebody that's ripped drew lock pretty consistently over the last couple of years, I feel you know, a little bit hypocritical for at least not bringing that up. You know, you got to be able to ring it in. That said, man, he can he can drop a dime in a bucket from 60 yards out. And I think his arm talent probably gives him the highest ceiling. He's not NFL ready now, but what he could be under the right coaching is, is
1: potentially special.
0: Right, yeah. Do we want to talk about just get our Carson Strong thoughts
1: out? Yeah, that works. Like, I just feel like he's a thrower. You know, and like maybe you can teach him how to play quarterback. And I, I honestly, I guess the reason why I'm not too out on him is still like I think the best comp is like Justin Herbert, but just if Herbert wasn't really a runner, like if Herbert was just in the pocket, just that big body, launch the ball downfield. He can fire it in there. Like I don't know. I I like Justin said. Like it's kind of Drew Lockish in some ways. And to me, like if you're the Broncos. Honestly, if you're to me to me, if you're the Broncos, you don't even need upside at this point. Like, none of these quarterbacks, if you're banking on them to be like the entire future of the franchise, like good luck with that. Like, what you want is somebody who can go beat out Drew Locke. And I think that that, you know, like a Sam Howell or something might give you a better chance of just saying, you know what, here's somebody who can play football at this level. Kenny Pickett can go play football at this level. Whereas Carson Strong, it's just it's just raw, it's just very raw. And like, those deep balls, that sort of stuff, they look good. Also, half the time, it's Romeo Dubs running wide open down there or separating at point. the last awesome moment. Awesome receivers, great yep. tight end in Cole Turner. And then you'd look at what he does. It, it's just, like, the closer to the line of scrimmage you get, the, the, the worse the stats get, the less impressive it gets. Um, and because of that, like, I just have concerns about how that translates. And I also think under center either. I mean, you're coming
2: out of the air raid, right, obviously. Which sometimes you get Patrick Mahomes, but more oftentimes than
1: not, it it does not translate. Yep. And I think that if you like, if you want to throw a bunch of deep balls and do that sort of stuff, I think I probably like that better than last year's offense. Like, if they just want to lean into that and say, like, okay, Croton Sutton, Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Albert, Oh, Noah Fant, like, we're going downfield and. Maybe this turns into like a Jameis Winston 30 and 30 season. But I also think if you had that Jameis Winston season, you take that Jameis Winston, put him on the Broncos last year, you're probably a playoff team. Like then I think that leaning that direction might make a little bit more sense.
0: So there's my he's thoughts. He's an interesting guy. Um, I agree with a lot of what you said. I mean, he's... It's either him or Malik Willis for strongest arm in the class, um, and I don't think that whoever's second is that far off from whoever's first. Uh, Carson Strong, the thing that I just can't get over, man, is that when he faces pressure and the play, the initial read breaks down, he kind of just offers you nothing from that point. Um, he's, as we mentioned, not very mobile at all. Um, can be sort of a statue, um, and it's just, you really see it kind of come in. Sometimes when you're watching the film, uh, they're kind of stacking the box and he has a tendency to maybe get locked on a first read too much, not too often. No. Um, but there was times I saw where it would happen where he'd just be staring at one guy. Um, all of a sudden two, three guys are in his face. And like Justin said, he can step up. He can definitely evade the rush for sure. Um, but he's not going to, you know, break the line of scrimmage and run five, 10, 15 yards down the field for you. Um, Really good uh, anticipation, throw, especially deep, as you said, Justin. Uh, he's dropping balls in the bucket. Um, he's just – he's hard because there's like four or five throws a game where you're just like, wow, man, like that is a special throw. And then sometimes you're just like, what in the hell is going on, man? Um, what what game was it here that I watched? The Kansas State game um, – there was one interception in the second quarter of that game that just it threw me for a loop. It was really bad.
2: Um, he was the reason they were in that game, but he was also the re- reason that they were, you know, not able to pull it out. So it's right. you know, y- y- there's a lot you like, and he's he's a lot of fun. He can rip it. I think your I think your analysis is, is is pretty spot on, but I think the big thing we have to come back to is just that it, it's going to be a, a matter of, of landing in the right fit, you know. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen today is not the Josh Allen that I got to watch in, in Wyoming for a couple of years. You know, he was a great prospect and, and it was much different than Carson strong, obviously just the athleticism, the ability to run all of that was very apparent even at Wyoming, but it was very similar in a sense where it was like, he made about five, six throws a game where you were just like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Like that was incredible. And then he made about five, six throws a game where you were just like, oh, my God, that was, what, like, what are you looking at? Now, granted, his receiving core was not even in the same league as this Nevada receiving core. The offense wasn't designed to stretch the field the way it was, you know, for, for Strong. I I don't know. I just, there's so much to like about his upside. I know somebody could make this work with Carson Strong. I also could just see it being a disaster if he ended up in a scenario where they're, you know, trying to rush him onto the field eight games into into his first season.
0: Dealt with a lot of drops though. That's I think we should mention that. I mean, Romeo Dubs and Cole Turner especially impressed me. I thought he was awesome to watch, but there were some very bad drops that definitely not only hurt the stats but. Hurt Nevada's chances of winning a lot of games. It cost him a, um, from
2: beating Fresno State. I mean, they lost three games this year against title contenders by like a combined six points.
0: Yeah, in that K State game too. I wrote uh, suffers from an extremely uh, highly detrimental amount of drops. Uh, it's it's something that it, it has to be mentioned. Um, the thing I keep on going back to with Carson Strong though is what's the blueprint. Um, how does he succeed in the NFL? You, uh, as I think Hank mentioned it, I kind of think Tom Brady, like that that mold, not saying he will be Tom Brady, but that mold, that guy that just sits back, kind of picks you apart. Um, that's the part of the game that he's really got to develop um, is obviously the processing and stuff. You know, Being an air raid, you're not having to make too many quick reads around the sideline or um, around the first down marker. But if you do, of course, it's a an RPO where you're reading one guy, not the whole defense, right? Um, so that's the thing is what's the path? Um, as you mentioned, can the, the the team that drafts him commit to him uh, for at least the duration of his rookie contract? And will we see that progress? Um,
2: no experience home, right?
1: under center either, which yeah. is, is always tough. Like, And that's why I go done. more Roethlisberger. We just put him in the shotgun. You do like yeah. run a lot of hurry up offense like just try to get the defense on their heels. And I mean,
2: since he's he he's run the tempo, ball,
1: that's a really good point. Yeah. And, and you need to like emphasize, like getting running backs out to the flat, getting like little delayed crossers from the tight ends after the defense drops back and getting those sorts of check downs that are going to be open because he can't escape pressure, but there's ways to do it. And that's like what Ben Roethlisberger did his whole career. But also, I mean, you hope you hope for Brady and you hope that he can play under center and you hope that he has the brain and, all of that, but I think Roethlisberger would be my my best comp. Maybe
0: who's your three? Hank.
1: This was so hard. Um, honestly, everything behind number one was really hard. I went with Matt Corral at number three, and I don't know. I mean, oh, this is where we have fun. He's he's this athletic. Is- <laughs> he's athletic, right? He. Uh, honestly, I think there might be a lot of Teddy Bridgewater in in him too. I I I think that. Like, while the the arm strength can be there, I also think that when you look at, like, a Carson Strong, it's really easy arm strength. It's, like, effortless arm strength. It it does seem like with Matt Corral, he's really putting his body into it when when he's throwing the ball. Also, I mean, he's really struggled to get the ball to the sidelines. I mean, he's really separated himself from this class and basically his inability to, to get the ball to the sidelines, and that's probably a function of arm strength. That's also a function of the way that offense there works. Um, but again, you really like how efficient he is in the middle of the field, and that's what the, the Ole Miss offense is all about, um, and I think that the, the, reason, the reason I put him up this high was because I thought that maybe he could step in and be successful. You, you run some RPOs. You see if you can just take advantage of the middle of the field, and, and he has the athleticism that I think helps him early on, and in a quarterback battle with Drew Locke, I think that there's a good chance that he earns the job. Um, so, are these rankings yeah. for you based
2: on Broncos fit specifically? Okay, so oh, yeah. see, mine were more just like general. Okay. Like, I don't think Carson Strong right now can step in and, and successfully start for any team in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you because of Matt Corral and the R. You know, the ability to you could do some RPO stuff, get him in play action. He's great at throwing on the run. I will say. The arm strength definitely goes down when he throws on the run. I I like the way Willis throws better on the move. I like the way Howell throws better on the move that, than than Crowell does. And and you do see that effort you having to throw the ball, but you put him in the right system. You lean on the athleticism, let him run for seven hundred yards. Like he could probably be a fairly competent rookie quarterback. What's his ceiling though? Because to me, he feels like a less accurate Jalen Hurts. Like the deep ball isn't there. Down the sidelines, basically non existent. I love his attitude. He was a really fun college football player, but so is Jalen Hurts. And I don't know if he's ever gonna win a Super Bowl.
1: Yeah. Like when I see him, like I I try to see him as Aaron Rodgers, but he's not he's not close to that. Like, like that's what you want, that like kind of gambler type who's who's rolling out of the pocket, and obviously that's not exactly what he was supposed to do at will Miss, but but he gets out there on the run, he, he uncorks the long balls, but, I mean, he's not a very big guy, and honestly, overall, that's probably my biggest complaint with this quarterback class, and that's why Carson Strong, I think, is worth some thought, and I, I know Broncos fans want to stop hearing about height, but it's like, how often do you see these six-foot-one quarterbacks work out? And that's Matt Corral, that's Malik Willis, that's Sam Howell, like, all these guys, like, what do you want, Baker Mayfield out of him? Because that doesn't yeah. seem exciting. And Matt Corral, he doesn't have Baker's arm either. I don't think, at least. I, again, like I have him at number three. I think that if you trade down and you take Matt Corral at 20, like I can get behind that because there's a chance that he figures it out. But that, that path from being small and not being able to see the field the way that other quarterbacks can when they can just look over the linemen, that makes things really tough. And it's especially tough in, in pro football. So I I don't even know what the upside is. I think it's just hard to to get a comp because there haven't been a lot of six one quarterbacks who you want to be comparing the first round draft pick to. The benefit right. is the
2: ability to run around. Obviously, just mm-hmm. it, you know, it increases the margin for error that you get to work with. So I, I agree with you guys. I don't know. I I have them at five actually. I I yeah. Honestly one through five, I think you could make an argument for just about any of these guys because I don't love any of them. And if you really just focus on what you like, if I just focus on Carson Strong's deep ball, I'm like, yeah, he's the guy that I enjoy watching most. Like he's my favorite quarterback in this class. If I just focus on Sam Howell running around and, and, you know, being able to throw on play action and stretch the field, then yeah, I I like him a lot too. But I don't know, Corral's ceiling just doesn't feel very high to me. I feel like we've probably seen the best of what he does. And again, Broncos fans would probably take Baker Mayfield after the quarterback play that they've gotten over the last half decade. But if we're talking about really giving him the keys to the car, you know, and investing your future in, in him running the offense, I feel like Teddy Bridgewater, you know, 2021 is is probably the best at what you're hoping for. And, you know, you can win some games that way.
1: But it's not very enticing. You're just hoping to be able to spend a second round draft pick instead of twenty million dollars. Right. Great point. To
0: me, when I watch Matt Corral, man, I can't help but think of uh, Johnny Manziel. Yeah. Um, Just because that's a good one. His uh, uh, like his mobility and like the way he runs the football and that like that edge he plays with that Baker type edge, um, that competitiveness really shines through, especially when he's running the ball. Uh, you look at the Arkansas game. I think he had, what, two or three touchdowns on the ground. Um, and he was – when he was getting tackled, he was getting up and he was flexing, man. He was, you know, letting them know that he was running for first downs constantly. Um you know this high school his arm, tape it's... was
2: insane. Just quit real quick. <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt you there. But, like, he's one of Fair those good. guys, you know, that was probably, you know, drops back. They just got the kickoff. It gets, like, an eighty-yard touchdown run because he's just better – better athlete than everyone else on the field. And he's flexing on the other team's sideline and leading the marching band on the sideline and, and you love it, but is it going to translate?
0: Yeah, he definitely, uh, in another timeline, he's the quarterback
2: at blue mountain state, right? Oh, totally Um, fits right in. Uh, I like his arm. It's a,
0: it's a good arm. I think, I think, I can't remember which one of you said, but he does kind of have to really lean and step into the throws when he wants to put power on it. Um, but he can kind of drive the ball. Um, He's obviously at his best in the RPO game. Um, He's quick twitched, makes decisions in that game. Um, The mental processing outside of that, though, uh, leaves a lot to be desired for me. Um, I honestly don't really like how he sees the field. Um, I like that he's willing to put the ball in play. He's willing to try these tight window throws. He's willing to go for the big play. Um, But man, there are some times where he just misses guys. He opts for a deeper route when there's a wide open guy under um, There's Sometimes where he'll just force it. Um, the ball placement is there, but again, man, a lot of drops uh, for Matt Corral too. It, it, I think a lot of these quarterbacks have a lot of drops. It's pretty painful to watch. Um, I just, for the Broncos, I'm not a big fan of it. Not right now. I don't think that, if you pick Matt Corral you've obviously got to build around him for the near future with meaning that RPO style offense you got to you got to have it be quick for him you can't let him just sit back there and try and pick apart a defense i don't think it's going to work too well um for that reason i don't think that he's a good fit for the broncos at this point um i'm with you Justin i have him at number 5 also okay yeah
1: and i think that i don't know i i like The way that Nathaniel Hackett approaches this. And I like the idea of him like developing a young quarterback just because you know, like he hires the coach for the coaches to teach them how to teach. Like, who knows if that'll work, but it definitely sounds good. And I think that when you look at these RPO offenses, you can make them more complex. You know, you can you look at like what Minnesota does, where there's like multiple routes and those reads, and I think that taking some of those quick reads and just adding a second step and kind of removing the RPO part of it. I think that there's a way to do that and try to teach him in the same way that he's been learning, but I totally get why he'd be number five. And honestly, three, four, five for me were really, really close. And the reason I gave him three was just for that whole like gamer thing. Um, Just like when push comes to shove, I want him out there and we'll see what we get. I also like the Johnny Manziel thing. And also Johnny Manziel, 22nd pick. Right, feels, feels feels about right to me. I mean, if you, you can get Johnny to Manziel,
0: root for you you do root for Corral. He's fun to watch, but it, uh, to my point, I think he's like Johnny Manziel but without like the huge inflated ego, right?
1: Which is yeah. something
0: that definitely sounds appealing,
1: and also a um, little bit taller. True, not a lot, but um, you a lot more
0: yeah.
1: sober. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you're taking
0: on a lot less risk with him. Um, Man, if Johnny's a first-round pick, then why not Matt Corral, you know? Mm -hmm.
1: And the the McShay mock, they had 11, 17, 18, 32. Again, I think that that fits pretty perfectly with these quarterbacks. And Mm -hmm. is he 32? I, I bet he's probably right around
2: there. Putting you on the spot, of all the teams that we've talked about, you know, the Washington, New Orleans, the teams that could be in the market for a quarterback, who feels like the best chance for Matt Corral to succeed to you in it? Is it New Orleans, you know, the a, a team that was able to bring the best out of a smaller quarterback, much different play, but just
1: kind of going back to that point? Yeah. Um, I, that's a good go ahead, Hank.: I would be all in on New Orleans if they still had Sean Payton. I think it'd be an easy answer mm-hmm. if they had Sean Payton. Without him, I struggle. I, I wonder, like if the Eagles decide that they want to take a quarterback? I think that a lot of what they do with Jalen hurts, you could, it, w- it would be a small change and that's why I would like that fit. Um, but I don't know what do you think, Jake.
0: Yeah, it's, I think ideally, like you mentioned with that Sean Payton offense, that's the ideal fit for Matt Corral because I would have trusted Sean Payton to really build that RPO offense and actually make it something uh, that is not so easy to defend, to defend like it is in the college game. Um who
1: else? Washington. Uh, what are the other teams uh-huh. here that we're looking at? It's tough. I mean, like if the 49ers hadn't taken Trey Lance last year, I would love that right. fit. Maybe a mm-hmm. little mentally intensive, but you could dumb it down for him early on.
0: Yeah. Um, I do like that Philadelphia point. That's a, that's a go. I think Justin compared him to Justin hurt, uh, uh, Justin hurts, uh, Jalen hurts too. Um, so yeah, man, it's a tough, it'll be very interesting to see wherever Matt Corral goes. One, if he starts right away.
1: And then two, exactly what the offense looks like. So, yeah, good question. Also, um, maybe the Broncos. Like, when we're talking about those teams, there weren't some many easy answers. You could see how that, like, outside zone and, and work off of it, see if you can throw some right. deep shots. Because it kind of limits the number of mentally intensive plays when you're just chucking it deep or running it outside, which seems to be the, the basic game plan. You right. have to bring back
2: Gordon, right? If you because then you're just leaning on a strong running game between Gordon and Williams. You try and design off the play action off of that. But the thing is you just, you have these big receivers and Patrick and Sutton that are just, they're there to stretch the field. Like we saw it when drew Locke was on and you made that point, you know, maybe Denver just does a little bit more of that. We did see a little bit more of that when drew Locke was in the game. Some of that was bad. Some of it was good and ends up being, you know, 40 yard touchdowns down the field. Cause he just trusted his receivers to make the play and had the arm strength to get it there in a way that Teddy didn't. But, and I don't know. It just feels like if you go to this type of system, you're wasting the upside of, of having
1: this just potentially elite receiving core. And I mean, KJ Hamler, when, when he was healthy at the beginning of the year, Mm -hmm. he was the best deep threat of all of them. He was getting wide open. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it does feel like you probably do need to be pushing the ball downfield. If this passing game is going to work. Why would, why are we running digs and slants and stuff? Like I get a little bit of it, but my goodness, let the ball fly. Mm-hmm. Who's three right, for um, you, Jake?
0: Yeah. I've got Malik Willis at number three. <clears throat> um, I think my big hang up with Malik Willis is that when he plays at his best, it's off schedule. It's outside of the framework of the offense. Um, That's really kind of when he puts on the Cape and starts to take over. Uh, when I go back to the game against Ole Miss, you know, that's probably the best competition he played all year. Um, you know, he did have some, the schedule wasn't a cupcake schedule for Liberty, but, uh, that Ole Miss game was probably the best competition he faced. Uh, he did kind of play hero ball in that game. Um, but he, obviously he's a dual threat with the strong arm. Um, and I've said it before, man, I just, I really wish if he's going to play this way and he's going to run the ball. He's got to slide more. He's got to get out of bounds. Um, you look at how Russell Wilson runs the football, how Lamar runs the football. Um, obviously different traits and stuff. But it's the really the
2: like they exactly. you know, like they get 12, 14 yards. They don't try and do anything more to pick up an extra
1: two. Like, get down, get out. Just avoid, don't be RG3. Only, exactly. only Josh Allen gets away with that. And he only does it in the third on third downs and playoffs. And you can only get away with it for so long, even when you're Josh Allen. And And that's just a fucking
2: tank. 6'5", 240
1: or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. And
0: that's the thing is, like, I feel like in his head, he sees himself as, like, a Cam Newton, Josh Allen type where it's, like, he's He's going to go out there. Yeah, and you'll see him put his shoulder down and try and, like, drive piles and stuff. And it's, like, dude, like, you know, all it takes is one defender falling on you one wrong way. And then, like you said, Justin, RG3, which would be... Very unfortunate to see because I do think that once in the pros, he's something that you can work with. Um, the The quick game and the processing isn't quite there yet. So it's going to need – you're going to need some time to figure all that out. You're going to probably need to be a little gimmicky um, if he starts as a rookie. Um, but that's part of the appeal, right? You get this guy and you can kind of build this offense uh, in the vein of the Ravens. Um, you know, just kind of feature him as a runner, of course. Um, but you know, do a lot of fun things with reads and motions and stuff like that. And you could really, even if Malik Willis isn't operating mentally at a high level for an NFL quarterback yet, um, you can still be very successful for him early on. Um, as I said, off schedule Willis though, is when he's at his best. So you don't really want to put too many shackles on him within the offense too, because you do want him running around making plays, trying to extend plays, throwing on the run and stuff.
1: Yep. And he really struggled in, like, that mid-range. mid, mid range. Like, when he's throwing 10 to 20 yards, like, there just isn't all that much there. And, again, like, you just... That's something that needs to come along. And, and all these quarterbacks have flaws. And, you know, Carson Strong, when it's close to the line of scrimmage, he, he missed some of those there. Matt Corral can't get the ball to the sidelines. Uh, Malik Willis, that mid-range, I mean he he threw more interceptions than touchdowns 10 to 20 yards downfield and i don't think anybody else in this class came close to it seven touchdowns three interceptions close to the line of scrimmage too it's there there are some very significant flaws and i don't know like like you said the old miss game he couldn't do anything and again there's a talent yeah. disadvantage there but the uh, People want to talk about the second half. Like, he figured it out. He got into the game. Yeah, they're rushing three and dropping everybody downfield, and then he starts running the ball. And so like, okay, so now he's at least able to run the ball because there's literally no resistance. And then, like, he makes a couple passes here and there after that, but it's... uh When he played decent competition, I and mean, that Louisiana Lafayette game, same thing. Like, yep. it didn't... Mm-hmm. Yep. It was not good. And... I don't know. I think that... It's it's really easy to get caught up in what he was able to do when he was playing on a good Liberty team against some, you know, Troy or whoever else. And just like I this, the idea that he could be a top 10 pick is still just very surprising to me. Like if you want to take a flyer on him, go right ahead. But as a prospect, like you really want him that much more than Drew Locke or something like, right. I I, I mm-hmm. don't know. And he does have like the tools to throw the ball deep, but he's also six foot one. Like he's a little fire hydrant out there. And I have my doubts about that. I think you gotta be at least like six, two or something. But again, there's no perfect quarterback in this class. And if you want to take him and just hope you get lucky, hope you have like Kyler Murray or something, then I guess why not? I will say not that I'm a, a resident Liberty expert and,
2: you know, caught all 12 games. I did watch the Ole Miss game. I watched the Louisiana Lafayette game. Went back and and watched some of the other ones as well. That they they didn't do anything to maximize his his skills. Yeah. Like the the yeah. scheming was it was ridiculous, man. I was I was just watching it and all I could think was if Lane Kiffin had Malik Willis, like the amount of creativity, the things that they would have done to put him in a position to to, to optimize that athleticism. I just I didn't understand it. They they were trying to put him in a box and having him kind of like stand back there and like make reads at times. And I just, I, I didn't understand it for, he's my QB four. Um, but I would say he's probably my favorite to watch just in terms of like that guy's right, the most right. fun. I love his swagger, like uh, along with Corral, just a dude that made college football more fun this year.
1: Yeah, definitely. definitely. And like, there's the chance he figures it out, but like you really just got to lean into what Malik Willis is, and that means you're running read options and RPOs, and you're spending a lot of time in the pistol, and you're you're either letting him run the ball or chuck it deep. You're not trying to ask him to to run like these I mean, just NFL route concepts, like crossers with a little dig in behind, because I don't think that he can hit those throws often enough to make it worth it. So yeah, and that's why he doesn't feel like a great fit in Denver, especially. All that said, he is my number two quarterback. Um, <laughs> he, uh, um, I mean, he has he has at least some of those traits, and that's that's more like again, Matt Crowell. What does he turn into? I I can't even tell you. Like at least with Malik Willis, it's like if he does figure out some of the mental things, then maybe he could be Kyler Murray. And I don't think he will, but. the at least, at least he has something that you look at and you're like, yeah, that's a good thing that you do. And he has two of them with the arm and, and the legs.
0: Right. Two things real quick. One, I thank you for bringing up the offense, Justin, because that was something that it made watching him so difficult at times because it was like, uh, like I mentioned earlier, it's like you're almost hoping for him to break out and like take the shackles off and then just let him be him at that point. That's because that's obviously when he shined. Um, and it's just... Man, this Hugh Freeze offense, it was, I i, I felt the same way watching Old Miss, too. Just these heavy RPO offenses, it's, I, I get that's the way football is moving and everything, but at a certain point, too, it's like you kind of take the a lot of the mental aspect out of the game for the quarterbacks and you make these reads so easy on them because they're reading one or two players as opposed to, Shit! Even half the field, or what? what let the him. You're, you're using half
2: the field most of the time. You know, like exactly. Spread it out. Let him run around a little bit. Look downfield. He's got a cannon. Like I, mm-hmm. it's good to do it to get him in rhythm. You know, and then get it going, especially early. But like in that that game against Ole Miss, you know, against Louisiana, off you're at a superior talent deficit. Like you're at some point, you just kind of got to let your le- best player go out there and, and try and do it. You know. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's he's just. Uh, I definitely see the upside with him, and I don't know. I I do like the Kyler Murray comp. I think that's more accurate than Lamar Jackson, just because Lamar, like mobility wise, is special. Nobody and, compares. Yeah, and his ability to throw over the middle. I mean, you can say that he's you know not the best passer, which of course he's not, but he can really you know hit some tight windows over the middle and I saw you saw that at college with Lamar and I just didn't really I don't want to say I didn't see the arm talent there with Malik Willis but it was he wasn't as more uh, force
2: it's it's just like Corral like Lamar when he throws over the middle it doesn't look like he's you know straining using his entire body and I feel like Mm -hmm. that is the case they have the zip and and obviously Willis has a much stronger arm than, than Corral does but It just it it kind of looks like they're working
1: a lot harder to to make it happen. He's just not like hitting receivers in stride, like he's not. I'm catch and run. Like the 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 accuracy is not totally there. And again, like he's being coached up by Liberty's coaches. Like I don't necessarily put all these things on Malik Willis. Like somebody has to be in there saying like, hey, dude, work your feet this way. Like here's here's how you put this ball in the place it needs to be. Here's where this ball needs to be in the first place. Like. So there is all that stuff going on, too, but also, like when we're talking about the Broncos quarterback position, I still think like you take one of these guys in the second round and then next year, hopefully you you have the ammo to trade up and get somebody else. and if that's the case, you kind of just need to figure out whether this guy can compete with that guy next year or whether you got to give Drew Locke another year
2: if he's six three,
1: th- he's probably my q b one definitely, yeah, yep. oh, yeah.
0: If he had a couple inches and if he had maybe 10-15 at least pounds on him, then for sure. Um, I Hank to that point though, <clears throat> we see these teams kind of take when they do take these quarterbacks day two and stuff, though. It's you saw it with the Broncos, they do kind of commit to them. So you can yeah. say, Yeah, you can take a guy this year in round two or three, but if the, if that happens this year, I think the Broncos, if they draft a quarterback at all this year you're probably not seeing him go back to the well next year, which you don't see that very often, of course, with the Cardinals being the real rule breakers, I guess, with the Josh Rose and Kyler Murray thing. Um, and, you know, I do think that more teams need to be, I, I wish the Broncos admitted not the Drew Lock mistake, but just that he wasn't quite it at a certain point. Uh, sometimes it's better to just kind of re-roll the dice rather than trying to make the what you have that's not quite it try and work.
2: Trying um, to jam that to square next. through the circle, you know
0: exactly wants to go next? Number two,
2: Mine before was We, uh, okay, we, we know Hanks before Jake, you give me yours, but let me talk about Ripple, which is a fast acting dissolvable clinically proven to hit two times faster than the leading gummy. Ripple starts absorbing within 10 minutes, so you can depend on a consistent experience every time with Ripple dissolvables. You can make anything inedible, it's flavorless, it's dissolvable. The Ripple Quick Stick is the most convenient way to get the fastest THC. Just pour it right on your tongue. Ripple products come in a variety of doses for whatever experience you're looking for. And the best part is there's no sketchy science here. Ripple's speed and absorption were studied by Colorado State University in a randomized placebo-controlled trial with real people. And the results were published in a peer-reviewed journal. As a liberal arts guy, can't say I was uh, doing a whole lot of peer-reviewed journal work when uh, I was at CSU. Fortunately, there are smarter people there, and that's what they were doing. They were looking out for you. Where can you find Ripple? At Colorado's premier dispensary, of course, Lightshade. They have 10, soon to be 11 locations starting March 1st in the Denver Metro and Aurora area. They have something to offer for everyone from the casual consumer to the connoisseur. Lightshade has a premium selection of cannabis concentrates, top shelf flower edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more. What's awesome is you can order online. Just go to lightshade.com and use the code DNVR for 25% off any non-sale item. Guys, that is a huge discount, especially, you know, if you're buying in bulk, you know, 25% of a $150 purchase. We're talking some serious coin saved. $30 as a as a dispensary participant. Let's just say that. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you. uh, You don't get 25% off non-sale items very frequently. Go to LightShade.com, pick up at a location near you. I switched over, man. I was going going to the same place for like four years, and LightShade, they won me over. So hit it up, get 25% off with the code
1: DNVR. I just pulled up these second-round quarterbacks just because I was curious. But yeah, I mean, like looking through, I mean, last year was Kyle Trask. And who knows what that means? They could take one year before that. It's Jalen hurts and they committed year before that drew lock and they committed year before that. There wasn't one year before that there's Deshaun Kaiser. And then the Browns took Mayfield number one overall the next year, but we have the number one overall pick. How do you not um, year before that is the jets with Hackenberg. Um, they didn't take one the next year, but they were in a weird situation None before that. Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo. Before that, so yeah, they, you do see him commit more often than not. You'd have to go in with the plan being, unless this guy is really good, we we got to make a move.
0: Right. It's yeah. It's I mean, a couple of those situations are <clears throat> a little bit of outliers. Um, mm-hmm. the uh, like the Hackenberg one, that was just the Jets being the Jets, honestly. Yep. Um, Osweiler yeah. Osweiler a couple years before that. Right. So and like Kyle Trask last year, like that's. I feel like that was more kind of just like covering their ass a bit, you know, just in case if Brady got hurt or something, they had a
2: guy that was at least a young body you can throw out there, you know, like, right. At least this guy's played in the SEC, big games, you know, exactly. I don't think they're really
0: building the future around Kyle Trask. Back to this year though, my number two guy, Sam Howell, um, my dude out of North Carolina, Uh, um, again, kind of like Corral in terms of mobility. Uh, I the first game I watched was the Notre Dame game and he was running around a lot in that game. But then man, I went back and looked at the stats. He was the second leading rusher among quarterbacks this year. He only finished 50 yards off Malik Willis. Um, He had some crazy games throughout the year. He had one, two, three, four, five, 100 yard games as a rusher. Um, He had so many games over 15 carries uh, Multi touchdown games, too. Go ahead.
1: Sacks count as rushing yards in college, too. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. all those hundred yard games, that's subtracting out sacks. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe there's more out there, too.
0: Yeah, good point. Um, he's just he plays with that baller mindset. Um, he does kind of look like Baker on the field, especially when he throws deep. He's an easy thrower like that. Um, I think that's his best, uh, area of the field in terms of throwing the ball. Hank, you could kind of confirm that if you want. Um, It was throwing deep. Um, I just thought he was uh, – timing-wise, I just thought that that was when he was at his best. He's quick in the RPO game. Um, The ball placement, I guess, to deep was fine. Underneath it kind of gets a little spotty. The main holdback I have with Sam Howell is that, man, he really has a tendency to have some of those, like, first two-year Josh Allen moments where he just – does some weird shit man and you're just like you can tell he's going back to the sideline and not he's not even really sure what he just did um and i guess that's just kind of comes with that mentality that baller mentality that he has
2: um i think we saw more of that this year though after losing all the talent at the skill positions around him and you know they were a top 25 team preseason i think there was some expectation he obviously had some hype to potentially you know be the number one overall pick or the top quarterback or, you know, whatever it, it might be. And I, I just think he kind of took it upon himself and at times was just trying to do too much, you know, where it's just, look, man, we love that you can improvise. We love that you're running around. We love that you're big. We love that you can stretch the field, but uh, you know, maybe don't well, run backwards for eight yards and then, you know, stop and throw a bullet, you know, into double coverage, right. like make some plays, but live to fight another day every now and then.
0: I think yeah, well, to I, that point, uh, sorry, Hank, can I cut it real quick? Just to that point, if you go – I watched uh, the Virginia Tech game, the Notre Dame, Notre Dame game, and the Pitt game. Uh, the Virginia Tech game was the first game of the year, and I definitely think you saw that, Justin, where he wasn't used to having those receivers. You know, Josh Downs hadn't really emerged for them yet, and that's the game where he had three interceptions. Um, I think – I can't remember if it was classified as interception or fumble, but he had that dumbass moment at the end of the game – um, in the Virginia Tech game, but then moving forward the ball in the air.
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: But moving forward in that Notre Dame game. Um, and then a couple of weeks later, that pit game, you kind of saw him settle into this role without De'Ami Brown, without Daz Newsom, without Javante, without Michael Carter. Um, sorry, go ahead, Hank.
1: Yeah. Um, a couple things. i mean, first of all, another really short quarterback, like I think senior bowl, he was six foot and a quarter inch um, to be honest. Like he just gives me big college football vibes. Like, like these guys who like can rip it up. Sam Allen, Ian Buck from a couple years ago, and those guys are going through. Now, obviously, better, more productive, has better traits than those guys. Well, definitely better arm strength, and that's probably what separates him the most. Um, but I, I do, I, I really like the Baker Mayfield comp. I'll say that. And I also think that the way he runs the ball, I don't want to say it won't translate, but I don't think he'll be as effective because he's kind of a power runner. Like like there's Shout a lot out. more taking on tacklers and doing those sorts of things where you just have to slide in the NFL. And if that's like Malik, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And it's just like, hey, do, do we really, do we really want that? On top of that, um, I mean accuracy better than Malik, better than Malik, but still leaves some to be desired. Um, plenty to be desired. I also think I mean, honestly maybe this is where you get some Jalen Hurts vibes. Um, there's definitely some of that like quick read type of stuff, uh, run the ball pretty quickly. If not, um, big, big arm. <sighs> it's he, and that's, that's again where I get kind of scared. Cause it's like, I don't think it's a big arm in a vacuum, but I think compared to most of this class, it's like, yeah, I mean, this right. is, this is one of the better arms. So he's got I, enough arm.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think that he's probably one who you could plug in. Um, where's he at for you on the list for me? He's number four. But again, like three, four, five, six, like all of those, I I could get the argument. I gave Corral just the edge, um, in part because I think he might be just a little bit quicker. Um, maybe not quite as fast, but just a little bit quick, twitchy. Um, and also, I mean, Sam Howell. The other the other thing that I think you have to like is he's a former baseball player. He has kind of like that whippy arm that, that looks like kind of like like kyler murray is probably the best example of that right now like mahomes has that kind of like mm-hmm. flicks out i don't know if aaron Rodgers played uh baseball but he has kind of that same thing where it just kind of yep. shoots out like that And again those guys arms better than uh, sam Hell's arms, but he does have that quick release um that i think is valuable
2: reminds me a little <clears throat> a little bit of uh like a bigger arms, Jake Plummer, I don't know, just kind of like running around (laughs) and you do the play action and like, you know, he's not going to go out there and, and most of the times it's going to be pretty good, but also, you know, sometimes he kind of floats it a little bit, especially, especially when he's trying to make those like intermediate throws with a little bit more touch. Um, He's my number two as well, but you know, like the point we've all said, really these, One through five, but two through four especially are are all pretty interchangeable, just depending on on which traits you want to focus on the most. Um, So
0: uh, why I had Howell at two, I mean, we can talk about the traits and everything, but I think this is also very important to mention, too, is that he is the youngest quarterback in this class. He's going to be, what, 21 or something, I think, when he enters the league. And when I... I obviously didn't evaluate him last year because he wasn't eligible, but just from off memory, from what, what I remember seeing from him last year, with all the talent around him and everything, I do think he actually made strides um in terms of the mental area of the, of the game uh, from 2020 to 2021. So I saw that Um you add in the youth. I just think that this is a guy that's only improving and that his, his best days of playing football, I think are still ahead of him. And he's still got a lot to learn and there's going to be obvious headaches because of that youth. Um, and a lot of, you know, those kind of first year Josh Allen moments that I mentioned. Um, but you just kind of, that's just something you just got to hope that comes along and you just got to try and keep bringing him along because I think that the strides are there for him to kind of keep growing as a player.
2: Yeah, I think that's the experience, point. too, though. You know, on top of that, although, right? you know, he's the youngest quarterback, but he's played in a lot
1: of big games over his career. Right, yep. three-year starter. I I just, he's another one who I just have trouble envisioning. And it's just like, what does he become? Like, how, how often does he run the ball? Because I think there's a real chance that he's like a 10-plus runs per game type of quarterback in, in the NFL. Maybe eight-plus. Mm-hmm. It's tough to get to 10. But, I mean, he just... I think he might be kind of run first, honestly. And I, I think that maybe he is more in that Malik Willis type of box um, than he is in like a, a, a thrower type.
0: I, I could definitely see that. That's something that, that's going to be a big adjustment for him. I think he really needs to not tuck and run as much. Um, he's obviously not going to have nearly as many read options and just quarterback design runs called for him in the NFL um, so you kind of lose maybe half the touches that he was getting in college just that way. But yeah, there is again, like with Malik, this isn't a big guy. This is a yeah. 6'1 220 pound. That's what he's listed as
1: who knows what is true measured lately. in at six and a quarter.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's just not sustainable um, moving forward and it's just going to be a matter of if you can really coach that out, I guess. And and coach up just the
1: ability to, to take, the middle of the field and uh, Mm -hmm. yeah the 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 mental side of the game is still coming on but again he's he's a young quarterback so it could be there
2: right
1: again i think that he probably does go in the first round i think a fun question would be like where would these guys go in an average draft like in a vacuum like if you had your typical class and throw them in there because how's probably like better or worse prospect than drew lock as a oh, prospect, man. not knowing what we know now.
0: I think as a prospect, I do like Howell more. He obviously yeah. offers more mobility and stuff. Um, Locke. The the thing with Howell, too, is he didn't really put the ball at risk too too much um, in terms of, like, uh, I don't know really how to say this because I did say he does have those, like, Josh
2: Allen-type moments, but it's not, like, not like he's consistent careless with the though the and, and especially down right. the stretch, we didn't really see that. I felt like the, the second half of the season – he was really poised. And I think he just accepted like, look, we don't have the talent around me that I had last year. And so the offense is going to look a a little bit different. And he, he did take it upon himself. And I wonder if that factors into the run first mindset too. He's just like, look, the the receivers aren't there this year. So I got to be able to put it on my, my shoulders a little bit here and and get us up field.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, The Notre Dame game. I think that's a, that was a really good performance by him. Just, when you kind of boil it down and just look at it for what it was, uh, given the talent that he was going against and the talent on his own team, I just thought that was a pretty impressive uh, performance.
1: And we didn't mention this with Malik Willis, but he did turn the ball over quite a bit. I'm pretty sure he fumbled yeah. like 14 times last season. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, to answer your question, I think that's where I kind of give okay. uh, how the edge over Lock. Lock did have the picks in college and stuff. So. Hmm.
2: All right, obviously Kenny Pickett is is everybody's top quarterback prospect just based on on process of elimination here. Mm-hmm. We've talked about Pickett the most, I would say out of all these quarterbacks. I don't know if necessarily we we have to like you know really go on and on here because we're going to talk about him plenty in in the next coming weeks as well, but what is the most redeeming quality about Kenny Pickett to you guys? What worries you the most? Because I think that What you love is obviously he's the most NFL ready right now. I think if you're an NFL team that needs to play somebody right now, Kenny Pickett is your best option. He's experienced. He's polished. The arm is there. He's led his team. I also just feel like his ceiling isn't that much higher than what we've already seen, and that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world. You know, there's safety in that, and being a you know having, I don't you know like a Teddy Bridgewater or whatever. You know, you're not gonna go four and 13, but you're probably also not going to go 13 and four. And I just think that makes it hard to really invest, especially, you know, a top 10, even a top 15 pick in really any of these guys. So maybe I've come around to the line of thinking that Hank introduced earlier that none of these guys are going to go in the top 10. I've said a lot here though. And so I'm going to go back to the original question and that is what do you like most? What worries you the most about Kenny Pickett, um, Hank go. And then Jake.
1: Yeah, I mean, he can make all the throws. I think I think that you have to start there probably. I think in terms of a passer, he's he's the best in the class. And I think that he could step in and run like I don't know. I mean, he 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 doesn't have like Mac Jones's brain. He doesn't have uh I mean like Trey Lance's arm strength, even Joe Burrow's arm strength. Um I just the most though what, what stands out to you the most is it just that he can make yeah any of the throws he'll he can drop a ball anywhere on the field um and, and again like 42 touchdowns seven interceptions he's pretty safe with the ball i think like he's probably like that philip rivers type maybe like matt ryan type of quarterback where it's like yeah this this guy will get you to the playoffs does he have like the pop does he have anything special to get you through i mean that's honestly, I think, something that you really can't measure at this point, anyway. So maybe we're knocking him too hard, but yeah, I, I do think like just solid thrower, um, hits guys in stride, good at reading a defense. Um, and then what I don't like is obviously just the lack of mobility. And he's he's not he can pick up a few yards if it's in front of him, but at the next level, he's he's not a he's not spaces a runner. Spaces are closing. Yeah, spaces no, are closing slide a lot in the quicker. NFL. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: I think Hank pretty much nailed it. I think, I think the, my favorite part about him was um, I mean, you said not to mention it, but he is NFL ready. And I think that comes down to mental processing. I think that he sees the field better than any other quarterback in this class. Mm -hmm. Um, He was confident in his ability to, you know, survey the field. If it wasn't there, he's fine to work to the backside. And the thing I love the most, honestly, is he has no problem taking the check down. Um, And he did that fairly often Um, And that's just, it's a trait that obviously is going to translate right away. Um, My least favorite part about him is actually going to be his age. Uh, He's 23 years old right now. He's going to be 24 entering the NFL draft. I mean, you just look at Joe Burrow, who was the same thing. So it's not unheard of to see these older quarterbacks come in and not have success. It's just that what you're looking at now is probably closer to what his actual ceiling is going to be, as opposed to someone like, uh Sam Howell who has you know 2 years on Kenny
2: Pickett mm-hmm. um so, I almost put Howell number 1 for that exact reason I just I uh, think it, like you said the best of Sam Howell is yet to come I'm I can't say we can say definitively the best of Kenny Pickett has not happened yet but I feel right. a lot more confident in saying it about Howell than I do about Pickett
0: Absolutely man it's it's something that it's it's definitely going to be taken into account for these NFL teams that are Thinking quarterback, especially in the first round. Um, because like you mentioned, you you saw Kenny Pickett last year, obviously third in Heisman voting. Maybe that is the ceiling, though. Maybe that's just as good as Kenny Pickett gets is a 42-7 season in college where he's third in the Heisman voting. Um, because that's I tell you, that's that's not gonna happen in the NFL. I'd be very surprised if Kenny Pickett has a 42-7, you know, third in MVP voting type season.
2: Yep. Um, where where are you at anticipation wise? With Pickett because I think he has a quick release and I think the arm is good enough. I do wonder if he's a guy that anticipates well enough to like really zip
1: it in there in NFL windows. That's probably my biggest hang up. I think it's we best in it. yeah, I think it's best in the class. I'll say that. I also think that this is a that's a major weak point for this class, though. And I think <laughs> I that think Carson Strong is pretty probably average. the best at throwing with huh. anticipation. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's it's solid. It's solid um jake if you want to take this one some other thoughts too yeah
0: just uh like i said underneath and stuff i think he's really on top of it in terms of putting the ball in the right spot um that's something actually i saw a lot with Howell too is underneath he gets the ball in the right spot that makes it easy to turn and run um, for these receivers and so it's not special deep i mean he does force some throws deep i think it was the uh yeah, the Virginia game. He had back-to-back interceptions on consecutive attempts. I think one at the, the end of the first half was just like rounding out the half, but the second one was pretty bad. I don't know if he just missed the safety or what, but it's it's a too high look, and he just misses the guy he just running to the side of the field that he goes to, and it's like he tried to fit this ball and you know in the honey hole in that window, and man, it just closed up really quick on him. I just the arm is the
2: arm is fine. It's just not special.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: and feels like a burger from like chili's or something you know applebee's like (laughs) yeah i like chili's
1: like yeah,
2: you know it's it's a ten dollar burger though you're getting a ten dollar burger
1: yep the the other thing is and the elephant in the room is like jordan addison was a receiver for him and the blitnikoff winner and these are those things where it's like did kenny pickett Right. Turn him into the best receiver in the country, or did the best receiver in the country make Kenny Pickett look really freaking good? Um well, CSU and- had the best tight end in the
2: country, and it didn't elevate the Rams to anything. That is <laughs> a little, true. A little <laughs> that is side true. point.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I think, I mean, what, a, a third of his passing yards go to the Bulitnikov winner. More than a third. I mean, pretty close to half. Yeah, pretty close to half of his touchdowns go to the Bulitnikov mm-hmm. winner. And it's just like, ah. Uh, I and mean, there is this, and, and could this be like a Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase thing, where in a couple of years they're ripping it up? And it's like, it's possible, but also, what did they do? They they didn't rip through the SEC, they ripped through the ACC, which is, I think, pretty, pretty far behind any other Power 5 conference. You know, they had Clemson anchoring them for a few years, but those teams are, they're, they're just not, there's a step below. Yeah. And and again, I don't, you can't knock the competition too much for for that sort of thing, but... There's there's just all these little things, and like the hand size, you know. He yeah, if if he wasn't going to have a career as an NFL quarterback, he'd have a career in a freak show as the guy with the tiny hands. I mean, <laughs> the, you just don't see guys like. There's never been a quarterback with these little, little, tiny, baby hands that that's ever
2: ever. seen like green
1: out there. Yeah,
2: hey, I
0: mean, ugh. <laughs> it's, Joe Burrow. He tweeted about it too. Joe Burrow tweeted about it when he was going through the process true. about how. Well, he's got small hands. Might as well give up the dream, I guess. I know. Well, Uh, most of
1: the other things, like Kenny Pickett has like the double jointed thumbs or whatever. And so he like thumb like kind of pops out and gives him like a better grip on the ball. Yeah. And so there's all this stuff where it's just like, I'm rooting for him as somebody with tiny
2: little dainty. I'm 6'1, man. I got hands like I'm five foot eight. Like I I don't know where <laughs> I got length everywhere but the fingers. Like that sounded dirty. Sorry. <laughs> I did not mean that that I came out of um, I mean I'm to not back, no, I'm uh, just kidding. Um, you're good. let's let's back, wrap uh, up with this quarterback talk though. I mean Yeah, yeah. um real quick though, on Kenny Pickett, I
0: think there's one thing that that I noticed that I know for sure like defensive coordinators are going to notice is that man, when he gets pressured, it's bailing out to the right almost every freaking time. And there was a play in the Virginia game. I'll tell you exactly where it was. It was fourth quarter, 1145 left in the game where he there's a blitz coming and there's a cornerback from that, from the defense's left, from uh, Kenny Pickett's right side. And you see him like, you know, panic, Evaluate the situation, and he tries to bail right. The guy is right there, and the play looks almost like Jameis Winston in the Rose Bowl, where he's just like flailing. The ball almost goes flying behind him and stuff. So that's something that he's got to he's got to be aware of that because
2: he's gonna he's going to get exposed. killed if you do that. And you know? like if yeah. Vaughn knows you're going right every time, man. Mm-hmm. Like you drift out into that little open, he's going to burn that tackle, little swim move, and you're going to get murked in the open field.
0: <laughs> yeah. Walmart Joe point, Burrow, though about the. Yeah, that's what I'm calling Walmart Joe Burrow about Jordan Addison. I because there was definitely times where Pickett threw a ball and it's going right into a defender's hands, and Jordan Addison comes flying out of nowhere and makes the play. So it's uh, but to your point with that Jamar Jamar Chase Burrow uh, kind of comparison too, I'd be really intrigued if I if I draft Kenny Pickett this year, I'd be really
1: intrigued to try and land Jordan Addison next year, and you probably have to move up to go get him. Well, I'm now nah, if you're the Broncos, they'll be, they'll be right there in the top ten. Um, <laughs> yeah. I will say, like, if the Broncos do take a quarterback at nine, I'm gonna be a little disappointed, just because I don't think that that's a a good decision. I I won't lose my mind if it's Kenny Pickett. Like, I think at least like that's the one guy where I say, you know what, you can give it a run, and who knows, maybe maybe he is Joe Burrow, and more likely he's he's not, and he's more like Kirk Cousins-ish or something like that. And then you're stuck in that weird place and you have to replace him or you let him walk right. after his four years. And, and it would just suck to, to, to be in that world um, for four seasons where you're like, yeah, I'm not sure this guy's going to get it done. And then you get to fix it. But I will say that if if they do take one at nine, I won't lose my mind if it's Kenny Pickett.
0: Yep, I'm with you.
2: Would much rather have Devin Lloyd. I'll, uh, I'll say that. going um, back to the, the mock conversation from earlier. All right. We, um, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about these other guys, but just real quick, is, is Desmond Ritter everybody's
1: QB six? I had him at five. I had him ahead of strong just for like Broncos related reasons. I think, uh, I mean, again, like what does he do well? I'm not so sure. But can he step in and, and play kind of like Teddy Bridgewater? I, I think that there's a lot of Teddy Bridgewater there. I think that in the red zone, you, you see the touch. I think that that excites me, the ability to, to, kind of put the ball into the corners and and let receivers get under it. I think that there are probably some throws that he uh, would like to have back, but he didn't get punished because he's playing, you know, he's not playing an SEC schedule, but at the same time, I thought overall the Notre Dame game, again, there's, there's enough to like and say like, he, he's fairly mobile. He, he doesn't have like a negative arm. It's just below average he uh he can drop the ball in. He has decent accuracy. I mean, just no reason to get all that excited, except that he might be there in the second round, and he saves you twenty million dollars versus bringing back Teddy.
0: Yeah, um, I'm more of the same. I had him at uh at QB four actually. I had a Corral at five, Strong at six, just because Strong. I just like I mentioned that roadmap for him just feels like a more of a stretch. Um, Ritter though, man, I watched him. I got to say, guys, I actually kind of liked him uh, going back and watching him because, as mentioned, he does have some of the size. He can run the RPO game. Uh, As Hank mentioned, the arm is kind of there. It's nothing special. But I thought that his ability to really throw the ball with touch and timing in the red zone, especially, was something that I took note of because he had those. uh, Who was the guy at the senior bowl? man, the the Cincinnati wide receiver um, 11? I can't remember his name. Uh, But he's a taller guy, and there were so many times where Ritter was just able to beautifully put the ball up where his big guy could just reach up and grab it out of the air. It wasn't even a really contest for the defensive back. Um, That type of stuff, I think, is really intriguing to work with. Um, In terms of the rest of the traits, though, it's all kind of just around that average level. Um, So the ceiling is definitely not as high. I think uh, is uh, Carson Strong probably has a bit higher ceiling theoretically
2: than Desmond Ritter. Um, That's really but, all it comes down to for me. Is like I think Desmond Ritter, you know, like Hank said, could probably be it safer and running an offense right now. You know, he's not going to kill you. Man. You know, I, I feel like in that Bama game, especially, he did a nice job of just moving the chains and like keeping Cincinnati on the field and, and really not letting that game. Compound. I know, you know, the, the Tide, they kind of pulled away down the stretch there, but I it improved my my opinion on on Ritter because most of the year, I watched a lot of those Cincy games because I was rooting for them to make the playoff, and I was just, I don't know, live in in the moment, I guess I just wanted more. It didn't feel very sexy, but I would agree with you guys. I would say on second watch, I just, he feels pretty safe, and if you could get him in the third round especially, and I don't know if that's really going to be a possibility, but... You know, like there's a lot that you like there that you know you can work with it. You know that he's going to come in and, and be a good teammate. And you know, the Bill Parcells rule obviously, multi year starter. Do yep. you guys
1: know how old he is? Yep. I actually don't. Um,
0: I can find out for you real quick.
1: Yeah. The other thing I'll say is that, like, the I don't know, to, to take, take like the 49ers, for example. I think, I think he'd be an upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, I, I think that it, maybe not like immediately, obviously, but by the end of a season or two seasons, you'd be you'd be happier with him than with a Jimmy Garoppolo. And in this quarterback class, maybe that's the right move. I mean, it obviously isn't like a solution that you love long-term, but to just get somebody who can play the ball and maybe he po- – or play the game and maybe he pops, like, why not? Desmond
0: Ritter is 22. He will be 23 when the season starts. Um, so, you so know, you're I mean, okay
2: with that. It's not great. You know, it's not 21 year right. old Sam Howell, but
0: exactly. I mean, he made the right decision. He could have come out last year and I think he would have been someone that, you know, he probably would have been ranked above the, uh, the Kyle Tras and the Kellan Mons yeah. of last year's class. Um, he probably makes it interesting in the first round or to make it into the first round, especially after last year, um, where he wasn't man uh, I mentioned this earlier in the year but like he kind of seemed like a different player um this year compared to previous years he ran the ball a lot less this year and mm-hmm. was really showing off his arm talent a lot more so it's you kind of you really do see the good things i think ideally you look at Dak Prescott as like a mold for him yeah. as a kind of like a path but you know you look at Dak Prescott he was drafted in the 4th round he was what third quarterback Uh, And during that season, there were no projections for Dak Prescott to start. um, And he just ended up blowing everyone away winning rookie of the year and stuff like that. I don't think Desmond Ritter really has that in him. Jake Plummer has
1: some similarities too. I think that that's another place where you could use that Mm -hmm. comp. I mean, just kind of like being that longer type of guy. And and also, I mean, Desmond Ritter is a little bit twitchier, maybe even than like a Sam Howell. And that's more like pocket moving around, like take two steps that way, cut back the other way. Uh, I again like he's not giving you all that much in the running game, but he this capability in the pocket, I think, is, is valuable, especially mm-hmm. especially with these receivers. Like, let him go make yeah. plays.
2: He feels like a really good backup quarterback to me, like a team. You know, you'd love to have him as your number two. You trust him to, you know, play two, three games if your quarterback goes down. I don't think he's the guy you necessarily, you know, want as the starter for your franchise for the next eight to 10 years, Mm -hmm. but who knows, you know, I mean, I don't think people were really anticipating Kirk cousins becoming, you know, a franchise quarterback. Like you said, Dak Prescott outplayed expectations. And I think that the biggest value for him is again, at this point of the draft evaluation process, he's not going to go too high. Like he would have last year and, and get forced into a bad situation you know, when it when it comes to like risk reward and just value, mm-hmm. you know, if you could land him in the third round, for instance, and then not have to take a risk on one of these other guys by you know taking him with the fortieth pick, I could see that. I think there's a lot of logic there, especially mm-hmm. if you'd you know you add Devin Lloyd at nine and then you go at you know pick up a stud corner or an edge guy in the second round, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, we just added two starters and now you know a guy that we like a lot in in Desmond Ritter. I feel so much better about that than, Oh, they took Desmond Ritter at 40, you know, and now they're, you know,
1: they're going to invest probably four to five years in him or trade down to 20. See if you can, uh, that's yeah. what the Steelers are, right? The Steelers move up, yeah. get Malik Willis, add another first next year, give yourself some flexibility Then maybe sneak up into the first round again, 32 and take a guy like Ritter, get that fifth year option, you know, use a second, that'd be what a second, a third. And then maybe you have to throw in something late as well. Like I, I, I think you. Could I would rather
2: worse. risk losing him trying to get him in the second or third. I I I get the the value of the fifth year bonus, and that's so huge with quarterbacks. But I just I don't know. Unless I, you're I, really yeah. thinking about he's going to play in the next year or two, it I
1: just don't think it really matters. I also much. think you aren't as sold on him, and if you're trying to draft him, then you're thinking we we we're going to want this fifth year option. That's a good point. You good know, point. I right. think that that might be the difference too. But yeah, I mean. Well, I pick it Willis, Corral, Hal, Ritter, Strong. Corral, Hal, Ritter, Strong, put them in any order, really. And uh, yeah. Willis, I mean, I feel like the rational part of my brain says that he should probably be in there too. But the irrational part sees they so fast and has a big arm. And it's like, ah, we, we got to find something to separate these guys.
0: Yeah. 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 That's um, how I feel I about mean, Strong.
1: It's like, I, I get everything that you guys said that you dislike.
2: It's the arm talent. I'm like, ah. Why not? Yeah. I'll put him at three. There's guys I like more, but I could
1: see it sure. panning out.
2: And if just it weren't
1: for, were for Drew Lock and Paxton Lynch, then I probably would do the same thing. But now it's just like, oh, the, the big guy who can throw the ball far, like, yeah, let's exactly. try something else Fair. this time. Fair.
0: One, kind of to that, with the Broncos' history of quarterbacks and all that, I don't know if this is like a, a common thought amongst the fan base, but I think there's a lot of. At least for me, like when you see that pick at 40 or whatever um, and taking a guy in the second round, you kind of fear that drew lock situation again where they kind of held on, in my opinion, at least one year too long. Um, I just if you take I think that's the way you go with this class, though, Um, as we mentioned, God, I don't know, since the beginning of the season, you don't really want to risk taking one of these guys and that especially for the Broncos sake top 10. Um, when you know you can get a damn good football player at that spot. And chances are, when you come back around at 40, man, there's going to be maybe one, maybe two, three of these guys hanging around there still, and that's where the value lands. Um, I just hope that if they do do that and they end up uh, missing, do-do. that they cut bait at some point instead of going the whole contract. <laughs> yep. Um,
2: I think that my hey, the- the- your list one more time. Because you, you did it, but I was kind of
1: talking over you. Pickett, Willis, Corral, Howl, Ritter, Strong. And what was yours, Jake?
0: I've got Pickett, Howl, Willis, Ritter, Corral, Strong.
2: And I've got um, Pickett, Howell, Strong, Willis, Corral, and then Ritter. Ritter. Like, yeah, I'm. I'm I don't want to talk about Zap because we've already gone on for for two hours here.
1: Um, also, so anything else you guys want to say before we before we head out? um we have one comment that i don't think we've gotten to from do it the sound guy um and again if you guys have any comments we have posts for these podcasts they're on the the dmvr.com all you got to do leave your comment there and we are going to do a better job remembering so remembering once every like four weeks because uh, especially in the summer guys you know like and draft season, draft season i know. feel like drafts yeah. yeah that's when we get desperate but also we can repeat ourselves without good (laughs) questions. Um, Why are NFL teams investing three years in developing a rookie quarterback? You guys didn't get to this in the one I missed, right? Okay, no, no. I'll keep going then. If you look at the first five quarterbacks selected in each draft from 2016 to 2020, an average of two of five per year are deserving of second contracts. If you draft one of the first five quarterbacks selected in each draft, you have a 40% chance of finding a quarterback deserving of a second contract. Here are those quarterbacks. Uh, Goff, wentz mahomes watson baker allen jackson kyler burrow and herbert Um, of these 10 quarterbacks one regressed that's wentz one didn't take the next step in his development that's goff and one took three years to develop that's allen the other seven quarterbacks have meaningful success in the first or second year. Why are teams of the mindset that they need to give a quarterback three years to develop? Paxton got three years before they drafted drew drew is going into his fourth year at quarterback. According to this data set in the last five years, only one in 25 has needed three years to develop curious PS both Allen and Kyler were drafted after the organization recognized a failed quarterback draft the previous year.
0: Who, who is this? The sound guy is the guy who said this. Yeah, in. it's good stuff. Some, Sound guy, I'm right with you, man. I mean, I think I said it multiple times already. I think they held on one year too long with your lock. And honestly, man, it does not make sense to me why teams kind of hang on to these mistakes like that. Like, what I think the Eagles are the next team kind of on this clock with Jalen Hurts. But I think we really saw in that playoff game kind of what, what the future could look like with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. Um It's, there's a chance that he could kind of maybe get it together, but odds are that he just is what he is at this point. And will Philly kind of cut ties and try and be better at the position? Or are they going to try and, you know, stick it out? I don't know why teams, to answer his question, I don't know why teams do this. It it drives me insane. It's pride,
2: man. It's still like, it's got to be. It ultimately comes down to this is still a human business. And ultimately like these GMs, they can, attempt to, to put you know personal bias pride all of that aside and, and make the best decisions in the interest of the organization and, and overwhelmingly they're able to do so but when it comes to the quarterback it's the most important position in sports and admitting defeat when it comes to selecting these quarterbacks I think is often you know the it, easiest points to get you fired and so I think when yeah. they give up on that in the back of the mind of the GM you're you're adding fuel to the fire for your own firing. And that's why this is such an imperfect process. And it is why I, I like that the Broncos have George Payton now, and they gave him that substantial long-term deal right off the bat because you're, you're ensuring stability. You're giving this guy an opportunity to, to make mistakes, admit those mistakes and then correct them instead of, you know, having coaches and, and GMs on, you know, short-term deals and short leashes. It just, it doesn't work. You have to have the freedom to fail in the NFL and I think that's the best thing that the Patriots have done, dude. Mm-hmm. They've drafted yeah. so many quarterbacks that they brought into the mix under Brady and they traded some of them away and, and got value back. I
1: mean, Brissett and Garoppolo and all the like Ryan so Mallet, yeah. at least they yeah. took the shot. We'll uh, give it a shot, we'll give it a they shot and see what happens. Whatever. Yeah. Right. But I mean, that's definitely the way to do it. Like you you cannot keep committing three years to everybody. And even that doesn't necessarily mean you're even giving up on the last guy like, it just means that, hey, Drew, right. you're in your... In give yourself more options. <laughs> Go beat this guy if, if you're going to beat him. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and that's why I think you, you take one in the second round this year just because this isn't a great class for it, and then the winner of him and Drew gets to play, and that guy's probably back next year, and then you draft a first-round pick, and then hopefully you have one that pops there, and you probably give that two years, and then you try again if that doesn't work, and then two years and you try again, and it's just... Uh, there's a lot of things that go into it, because at the same time you say, "Well, Drew, who could succeed when we taught you how to run this West Coast offense um, in your first year, and then you you looked good at the end of the season, but then we totally changed the it's offense." It's rarely black in, you know, and white. Too. You know, it's all it's gray. There's a lot. Of, you know, if
2: you keep the OC, maybe things go different. But I think uh, that the thing that we're saying here is not necessarily. And then Hank just said it. We're not saying you necessarily give up, you know, cut the player, cut ties. It's just mm-hmm. be willing to give yourself options, but, and not just bring bodies in, but actually have it be an open competition, which it was not an open competition between Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater in training camp last year. It was Teddy's job always. Yeah. NGO wanted it to be Teddy, and that's the difference. You know, it's again, we're coming back to pride and ego. If you and, can yeah, throw that out the window, you have a chance. And last then, you, year,
0: it's just... Last year so hard because you have Vic Fangio really coaching for his job. You have Peyton in his first year. You have Elway still in the building. You have Locke who showed promise, who's obviously still on the deal. And there were probably a lot of people in that building who did not want to give up on him and a lot that probably were ready to move on. But to Hicks' point, yes, you like you can – they were quote unquote, give up on a quarterback and not cut them or get rid of them. Like the Broncos could have easily done that last year where they could have drafted a quarterback at nine. They could have gone to free agency or they could have done, uh, obviously they went to the trade market with Bridgewater. It's just that I don't think they got a talent really good enough to
2: make it look like they were actively improving the position. Honestly. Yep. That Uh, was a decision to keep Vic's job. That was a decision to give him a quarterback and say, look, the defense is built around you you can't place it on the quarterback and say, I never had a chance because I didn't have a competent, you know, NFL quarterback. They went out and got a guy that had at the very least, you know, been in the playoffs and then led his team, but we all knew what the ceiling was, right? Like, right. It's what we saw.
1: And again, it just, there's, When you're drafting quarterbacks, you're typically not seeing things go well in the organization. And it's really easy to pass that blame all the way around and say, well, if you give him a chance under somebody else or give him a chance with a real offseason instead of the COVID offseason, give him whatever, it it does add up. And then, I mean, now you're stuck right here where you didn't give him a chance last year and he gave you two of your three best starting performances, I think. But but now what do you do with that? Like, it's just, uh, Yeah. It's okay, just real quick before we go,
2: just kind of off of this, and we'll have this conversation a hundred fucking times between now and August. (laughs) But you roll in, and it's, I mean, you got one last year with Drew Locke, so you you give him a look. I think we're all under the logic that you have to bring somebody else in to at least make it a competition. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's Bridgewater getting brought back, but I think the money he's going to command that would be silly, especially with what we saw out of him versus what we saw out of Locke. Like Hank said, the best starts were from Locke last year, at least in in terms of, like, this team having a chance to really move the ball offensively against some of the better teams, you know, not those first three wins, which were a bunch of of cupcakes. So, I mean, like, right now, if it was Drew Locke and, you know, some veteran that's not Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers is the best-case scenario, just see if you can build off the success you did establish with drew Locke a little bit at the end of the year. I know it wasn't perfect and just hope it pops and like, see kind of what happens there. Or is it, you just, you got to go get somebody that's proven and, and give them the keys and just Drew's in his last year. And if he gets a chance because of injury or something, then maybe he resurrects his career that way. But you guys are out on him ever being anything as a starter, at least here. Yeah, I mean Uh,
0: go ahead, ahead. Jake. Oh, I mean, it's I don't know. I think that if you roll if they if the Broncos roll into 2022 with Drew Locke as the best starting quarterback on the roster, they're they're kind of throwing it in, right? They're they're looking Mm -hmm. at 23's class. That's gotta be the rationale. Um if they bring in another Bridgewater type though, man, um of course it depends who it is exactly, but uh, it's kind of the same thing for me. It's they're not really sold on this quarterback class, which I don't know. I feel like you do have to kind of take a shot again at some point. I don't know if that's just where the organization is, where they're kind of scared to take a shot because of you see lock hasn't worked out. You saw Paxton obviously did not work out at all. Um, and you don't want to do that again, but you got to take a shot at some point. And if you're going to take a shot, I I mean, it would make sense to maybe
1: wait another year, especially if you passed on last year. Mm-hmm. I, I also think like it just yeah, it, it sucks to go into a season with Drew Locke as your best quarterback. I'm not sure you have that many options if you don't get Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson. Like, like right. who do you want? Ryan Fitzpatrick, Andy Dalton, Cam Newton, Tyra Taylor, Jameis Winston, Jacoby Brissett, Teddy Bridgewater, Marcus Mariota, Joe Flacco, <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky. Like, like these are these are the guys that you can bring in as a free agent. And, yeah, like, is Jameis Winston better than Drew Locke? Probably. Is Jameis Winston going to make 20-plus million dollars this year? Yeah, because that's how quarterbacks go. And when you have a quarterback who's basically on the same tier as those guys and he's on the roster on a rookie deal, like, it, it just doesn't make much sense to me to to go after another one of those guys. Um, unless unless I'm you really is is I want to see from- him get a chance in this play-action offense and,
2: like, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, we, we said it best. Did it. What did he do best? Was off of that play action. They're gonna focus, you know, running with Javante. Don't, you know, don't make him have to think all that much out there. Just kind of, you know,
1: simplify some things and let him rely on that arm talent. If you can go get Tyrod for five or eight million dollars, then yeah, that's worth it. But all those guys, just the market for quarterbacks, it's gonna be it's gonna be expensive. Like when be was great. the last time Tyrod stayed on the field for like more than three streams oh, totally. though? Yeah. Well then if you'd rather have I I think Marcus Mariota is probably my favorite of this bunch. I think he has the best opportunity to actually do something. But again, for ten million bucks, is it worth that much of an upgrade? Probably not. Not when you can just go draft one of these guys in the second round and see if you get lucky and then ideally move some of these these picks back to next year and and make a run at Stroud or Bryce Young or I don't even who is the number three? I'm not sure.
2: It's not Bugle Ailey
1: anymore. Oh yeah, Jerkovich. That's right. That's right. Sorry, that's,
2: that's somewhat, you know, like Jake being snarky, but he's it's uh, he really yeah, might be QB yeah. three. Like we'll get start getting into that. But uh uh-huh. this was I mean, fun, man.
1: Let's, let's wrap it up. He'd be top three in this class, right? Easily. Oh, easily, 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 easily man, easily. I think he'd probably yeah. be. If
0: one. he had a year like yeah. twenty twenty last year,
1: then or in twenty twenty one, he's he's up there with Pickett for sure. Yeah. So um, yeah, wait till next year, and it's gonna suck, man. Rogers, <laughs> just go get Aaron Rodgers, and then all of these
2: conversations, at least for one year, become moot because you know you can you can just push it off, and kind of like me and my problems, you know that's that's something <laughs> that we'll worry about tomorrow. <laughs> Make sure you keep up with everything that we're doing over at DNVR Broncos coverage is popping. Buffs and Rams college basketball coverage is popping as well and we've got spring ball coming up before we know it so right now it's draft season it's about to be the preseason and then man college football will be here before we know it CSU opening at the big house so Jake and I sir (laughs) (laughs) September 3rd Rams shocked the world oh man I can't even say it never Um, say never hey if App State could do it, why not us? Yes. Why not us? We're talking Anyways. about
0: Michigan here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and Harbaugh. So, you know, it's it's always a possibility. Anyways, I've gone off the rails here. I'm Justin Michael. This is the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. We will be back each and every week, uh, sometimes with more than one episode even, and kind of just diving into these position groups. It's going to be a blast. I hope you keep up with all of it. Much love. Stay warm out